Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Martin. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. All right. It's working now. It's working now. It's working now. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure our audio is in sync. Uh, good deal. Well, Ryan, it's... Uh, it was good to be with you last time. <laughs> it's good to yeah. be with you this time. Uh, but not next time, huh? Not next time. <laughs> right. we got to come up with something new to say yeah, when um, we get started. We could do something like, I'm glad you're here with us. I don't know. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. Something like yeah, that. You know. Yeah. Well, uh, we are glad you're here with us. Welcome well, to the Imperfect Church Podcast. We have a fun episode today. I don't uh, know whether or not it's going to be fun I'm or so not. excited about this. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But uh, we... we uh, <clears throat> We're having our Ask Away episode, which you have been um, entering your questions, and some of you have had really good questions, mm-hmm. and some of you need therapists. So. <laughs> and we're not going to be able to get to everybody's questions. So I know right. some of you are going to, that <laughs> maybe aren't going to be happy because we're not going to do your question. But uh, hey, we, we hope to do maybe an, another, we hope this becomes a series. An there you go. That would be fun. It would be, be fun. fun. Yep. Uh, so let me just kind of jump in with our dead man talking for our Ask Away series, and this okay. comes from St. Augustine. All right. And um, uh, Luther, Martin Luther records this in his commentary on Genesis 1. He, um, he said, someone asked St. Augustine what God was doing before he created the world. Mm-hmm. And Augustine replied, God was making hell ready for those who pried into meddlesome questions. <laughs> So I thought that was a, a nice little, That's good. Uh, uh, nice little uh, yeah. dead man for us today. So let's yeah, just... And so we ask you to give us a question, but we also ask you what a topic that you would like for us to consider mm-hmm. on future episodes. Right. So we're not going to deal with those today. Yeah. So we're really just going to deal with those first questions that you gave us, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll move on to some of those topics for the future later yeah. on, mm-hmm. like landmarkism. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good one. <laughs> we're not going to do that one today. <laughs> All right. So let's just begin with our first question, John. Our okay. first question comes to us from uh, um, a uh, well-known name in Baptist history, J. Frank Norris. <laughs> and he asked the question... What theologian in church history do you think you could take in a fist fight? There are several. Yeah? Yeah. John, you've been thinking about this. Go ahead with your first. Lead, lead away. So I've just been thinking about some of them that I could. I really think I could take, uh, I, I think I could take most of them. Yeah? yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but I, uh, I think I could take Spurgeon. Yeah. Because I could outrun Listen, him. Spurgeon, Spurgeon had a weight problem. He did. And he had gout. And so, uh, Chesterton, Chesterton, no yeah. doubt I could take yeah, him. Yeah, Chesterton. He was a big boy, yeah. and I really do think, even if I don't think I could, I could whip them. <laughs> I definitely could get away from them. Right, that's it. The, uh, those brothers, uh, they were they were heavy set, yeah, heavy set, a little big boned, mm-hmm. and uh, I think for sure those two I could get away with. Yeah, I will say. I don't know that you consider J. Frank Norris a theologian in church history, yeah. but uh, I ain't messing with no, him. No, I ain't messing with him. He shot a guy dead. <laughs> he will uh, shoot your tail. So, yeah, uh, I would say my number one pick for uh, theologian in church history that I could take in a fist fight is David Brainerd. Okay. Uh, that guy had a lot of physical issues. <laughs> And he he you know he suffered uh, a lot, and so I, don't, I just don't, I don't think that he would pose a threat to me. There you go. Um, okay. Now here's a flip side of it. Who's a theologian in church history that would whip you? The J. Frank Norris. J. Frank Norris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I would say J. Frank Norris. Um, who else? I, I, Saint Athanasius. Okay. He was short. Yeah. 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 But I mean, 
anybody that's going to take on the world, I think yeah. he could he could kick my tail. There are a lot of those guys though that were very bold. Yeah, I mean, and they mm-hmm. were very sure of their faith uh-huh. and also yeah. of their own theology too. There's a lot of those guys I wouldn't want to mess with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the question. The question yeah. was who could we whip? Who could we whip? That's right. And I think the two that I named, I think I could whip Spurgeon and Chester. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> That's it. That's good. That's a good good question. Uh, and question. some people believe that Spurgeon needed to be whipped. Yeah, that's right. Um, man, Calvinist. My that's right. goodness. That's right. Well, that's, that's another one. <laughs> I wouldn't mess with John Calvin himself. Uh, he might burn me at the stake. Yeah, oh! Right. Okay, just yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what's the next one? It's a good one. It's uh, from um, our dear friend, kind, considerate soul, Matt Pittman, who asked the two-part question. <laughs> the first part is, which host is the most imperfect? So, John, let me lead on this one. <laughs> so, okay. I know I know what you're expecting us to say. You know that we're each going to claim ourselves uh, as the most imperfect. But let me go out and just say, no, no John's the most imperfect of us. <laughs> that's fine. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So, that's the first part. John, do you have a... a, a... I have, I'm not offering any commentary on this question. All right. Well, what about this part? <laughs> I'm not offering any commentary on this question. In addition to my question, which host is the most imperfect, please also list each other's imperfections. <laughs> Uh, so, um, John, I'll let you. I'll let you list any of your imperfections if you like. I have lots of imperfections. I mean, I could go down the list of sins. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Why do you? What? This is a terrible question. I don't know. I think this is fun. <laughs> this I, is an awful question. I laughed. Um, Why in the world? What we should have done is invited the guy who asked this question to come on and tell us what he thinks. Yeah, the I think that'd be good because we tell him his imperfections all the time. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, I mean, we all have imperfections, and that's why we have this podcast. The yeah. imperfect mm-hmm. host of the Imperfect Church Podcast. It's good stuff. What's the next yep. question, John? I like this one, too. I don't okay. know this fella, uh-huh. but I like this question. If Starkville is God's country, and it is, would it be a sin to support the University of Tennessee? All right, I the, think this is a good one. The answer to this one is absolutely. Well, okay. Absolutely, it is a sin John to is not support the expert in this. So, University of Tennessee. All right, so here's here's the deal. Um, if Starkville is God's country. It is. No, and, that's why I wait, added wait, wait, that wait, little wait, caveat that's right, right there. Right, right, right. You made an assumption based on <laughs> uh, an ups- unsubstantiated fact. No. Um, so if it, that that... That is leading to the idea that Tennessee is not God's country. Yeah, that's right. Which is stripping God of his glory. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. You can't look at the beautiful you Smoky say, Mountains and say, oh, this must be Satan's country. God is not big enough to include that's the right. of Tennessee. That's right. So if you were to objectively put Starkville up against Knoxville, and yeah. you were to ask just people who are not who have no idea which the cities are which, you say, which one is prettier? You tell me. Well, it depends on the one where Duty Noble Field is located. That one is the most beautiful. Did you say Duty? <laughs> Duty. Duty? Your field is Noble named Duty? Field. Okay. Du- uh, Duty Field. Field. Okay. Duty Field. Well, I think you have you have set it up for me. <laughs> Duty Field. All right. Well, if you if you want to root for Duty Field, then go ahead. Uh, I like this guy. Starful oh, is definitely God's country, and uh, and it is uh, a sin to support hey, any as, other. Especially as I support, the, as the I school support, up north. That's right. As I support um, uh, Tennessee sports, I often feel like God is against them. So go ahead <laughs> for the next question. <laughs> All right, this one is good. We're going to spend some time here. Okay. 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 All right, so what is the pastor's role in the youth setting? So I would I would be able to say that this is a question of um, – what what is what is the pastor's role inside of the youth ministry? Assuming that there is a youth ministry, right? Uh-huh. I'm going to make that assumption. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying is, is that I think the question is not, uh, you know, should the pastor be 
teaching necessarily every Wednesday night mm. students, every Sunday night students, but yeah. as a as an overseer of the congregation, what role does the pastor have in mm. that work? And I would say that the pastor should have an active role in the sense of uh, he knows what's going on in the ministry. Yeah. I mean, he knows what I know, you know, what our student minister is teaching this Wednesday night, right. you know, I know those things. Uh, also, I think the stu- the the pastor should uh, be present when it's possible for him to be present. A lot right. of times, our our times conflict, so mm-hmm. it's not possible for us to be inside those Bible study times. But the pastor can go to youth camp. That's right. I mean, the pastor can go to kids camp, mm-hmm. and uh, he can build relationships with students in other times uh, as well. And mm-hmm. so, I think that he ought to be doing that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, in general, I think the kids ought to know, the students ought to know who their pastor mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And, uh, and and again, you know, it's our responsibility to disciple those people that are in the congregation, and that includes that includes every age group. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think that you're, you're right on. And I think what you said is key. Uh, we are, we are to call, we, we are called to pastor the youth just as much as we are called to right. pastor the senior citizen. And so we need to build relationships. Yeah. So yeah. just as we would build relationships with a senior citizen by going to visit them in their home, mm-hmm. we want to build relationships with our students. So yeah. that may be, that may look a little different. Yeah. And I think right? it looks like the baseball field, baseball field. It yeah. may be playing a pickup game of basketball before That's church right. yeah. Uh, yeah. or after church, yeah. probably after church if you sweat like me. So, uh, but doing, you know, doing things to let the youth know that you care about them, that you know their name. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that's key. And I mean, you know, I I do think that a student minister plays a role that a pastor doesn't in the sense that the student minister has a responsibility to pastor them differently Mm -hmm. than, than pastors do. uh Uh, You know, I mean, they're, they're ultimately responsible for that age group, but it doesn't mean that the pastor should neglect Mm -hmm. that age range. Yeah. And I think it's good to, to know, to know their names. Yeah. That's a start. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I have a, fun story when i was in high school we had a a, a new pastor and he had been there he had been there long enough to know our names mm-hmm. should have mm-hmm. at least and there was one sunday morning that he was going down we were all sitting in the back and he was going down shaking hands and calling everybody by name and, yeah yeah you know, he's talking to how are you john how are you mike you know yeah. going all the way it got to me how are you bud <laughs> it's thought, funny oh, that you, don't know you my should name. mention okay. that because the guy who submitted this question is a member of my church yeah do you know and his name i do know his you name, name but now, yeah. Last week at Bible drills, I called him. I called him Gary uh, <laughs> instead of Garrett, dang, and he God. has not let me live it down. Well, and so probably now wise. that, I, but it was just a slip. I mean, I know the guy's name. He's Garrett. Our, he he's doesn't a, know you from nobody. He's our drummer. I know him. I sure. Oh so, me. Anyway, I think the pastor does have a role in the youth setting, but I think it's more of a it's a supervisory position as far as discipleship and teaching is concerned. Right. But he should have relationships yeah, with yeah. those people. So that's, good. that's good. That's good. That was right. a good one. And now, uh, a really good one here. Yeah. Uh, this comes from <laughs> Beethan. And uh, Beethan asks, what's your favorite cuss word? Be specific. Okay, so I have a good story about this, too. So okay. I, I used to play golf a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, when I when I was in Meridian, I, I had more time to play golf. And so I, I golfed some. and Your 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 language grew? Is that what yeah, yeah. So I, I golfed with this guy who uh, had a job, but uh, he would he would sneak off and we would go golfing together. And so he was really uncomfortable for him to golf with a preacher. Yeah. Because if you don't golf, you don't understand this, but golf is a very frustrating mm-hmm. sport. Yeah. Very frustrating sport. And uh, so one day we're we're golfing and he hits a ball that obviously uh, is aggravating to him. And he, he makes a declaration that we have to find at least one acceptable cuss word mm-hmm. that yeah. he can use. Good. That he can use. I'm, I'm all in. John. That he can use on the golf course. Yeah. He said, I've got to have a word 
that I can use on the golf mm-hmm. course. And so, uh, so we, we, we settled on a word that mm-hmm. he could use and, uh, and he uses it often. Uh-huh. And every time I see him to this day, he continues to use it. He's just say, Hey, you remember that acceptable cuss word? He tells me again what it is. So like, you might want to like, uh, go into, uh, some details about what you mean by acceptable cuss word. Not <laughs> yeah. an actual cuss word, but an off colored word. Is what That's right. Like, yes. That would one be that we're not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it out loud. Well, here's a, here's a good, so, we want to be specific. So, um, you know, here's a, here's a good way that we can kind of turn this and actually answer the question by not answering the question. But what is your favorite substitute cuss word? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. know, Christians yeah, have right, a lot of those. Right, like, right, right. I don't know. It's like, hey, son, look, a helicopter, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like crud. Yeah. Oh, yeah those yeah, sort of yeah. things. Uh, dead gummit. Dead gummit. See, That's dead gummit's the... usually my go-to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. recently, my three-year-old has been saying dead gummit. Dead and gummit. I think... Yeah. I, I don't know. So um, my favorite actually is John Brown. John, John Brown. Brown, man alive. I say yeah. that one sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't have so, no idea why I say that. I don't know where it came from. I don't know. But uh, I, I, you know, we should be careful with our tongues. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't say things like that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I, I typically, you know, don't curse. I don't know. So, Ethan, <laughs> so well, I, 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 I know Bethan, and, and Bethan uh, has a filthy mouth. So, <laughs> uh, and he's not on the podcast, so he can't. Uh, I don't know. Listen, here's the thing about Bethan. Bethan is a as a saint, and yeah. uh, Bethan is a type of man that he likes his dicky jeans. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He uh, he he's he's a simple man. So yeah. we 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 do want to think. And he may Bethan. be like my friend. He may just be looking for one. That's you right. Know, it's like That's I right. need I need a word I can use That's on right. the golf course. That's and right. So what is that word? Well, Bethan, here's the thing. You don't need a word. You need Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one from yeah. Harden Crowder. This Harden. is another serious one. Harden says, how do you keep volunteers motivated? How do you avoid volunteer burnout, apathy, or mediocrity? Yeah, I have a couple ideas. You want to go first? You want me to go? No, you go ahead first. I think, first of all, we have to be appreciative of our volunteers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes we're not very we, – we make the assumption, hey, they're always going to be here. They're mm-hmm. always going to come back. You know, they're always going to – they're always going to say yes and that sort of thing. And and since we, since we believe that, we – we we tend to abuse their faithfulness, mm-hmm. and so I think that being thankful for them goes a long way. And I've told this before on the podcast, but I'm a huge fan of writing notes, mm-hmm. writing thank you notes, writing just hey, just had you on my mind today. I'm grateful for you, kind of deal. And uh, and I think that's one way that we can that we can help our volunteers be motivated. Let them know that they are being appreciated. Yeah. I'm not saying you got to have a Ryan Reed day. You know, on I mean, Sunday where we could. do that. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You don't have to do that. This those small things that you can do. You know, have an appreciation uh, breakfast. Have a appreci- write them a thank you note. That will go a long way. Writing a handwritten thank yeah. you note, even if they can't read it. Mm-hmm. I, I think also making sure that we uh, that we train them effectively. Yeah. You know? I think I think proper training is gonna yeah. is gonna help. It is, and, and saying, "Hey guys." Whatever, just once. Hey, is there anything you need mm-hmm. that can help you teach better? You know yeah. that what they may say. They may say, "Man, my room needs some new dry erase markers." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, that man, I got, got that. that. Yeah, yeah I go, I day. run to Family Dollar and go get you some right now." You know, that's the kind of thing. Just just being there and being able to help them. Well, they 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 usually burn out. They usually give up because of frustration. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's do everything we can to keep them from being frustrated. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's just good. a couple and ideas. One I of had. the things that I, I did when I first got to our church is we we have a small church, and so we have we have little resources when it comes to teachers. Yeah. And so one of the things that I have insisted on when we when it comes to nominating committee is um, I don't want anybody 
teaching every time we come. Yep. So if yep. someone is teaching Sunday school and discipleship training and Wednesday nights, they're going to get burned out they real are. quick. They are. And so, um, you know, I have one one lady in our church who is is an amazing uh, saint who who works tirelessly, and I've told her you can't take on anymore. Yeah. Because you will get burned out, and, and we we want you here. Yeah. And we want yeah. you healthy. Yeah. And so uh, limiting how, how, how people are, are mm-hmm. serving, mm-hmm. maybe telling some people they need to take a sabbatical. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Some of these things will help. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, and I think the mediocrity thing, which is a good question. I mean, ask how can we, how can we avoid mediocrity in our teachers? And I think that's have, a, have an expectation of mm-hmm. them. You yeah. know, and, 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 you know, for us, we have a really hard time getting to church on time. Mm-hmm. My, my community is just – we have a hard time getting to church on time. And so – I, I say often, teachers, you ought to be here. Or I give them examples. Hey, we had visitors last Sunday. Don't name any names, but just to my to all my teachers, we had visitors last Sunday that showed up for Sunday school at nine forty five, and there was no one there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there was no one there. Yeah. It, not, the the students weren't there. The teacher wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know those kind of things. Right. We it's okay to have high expectations from mm-hmm. those that are yeah. teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think. Mediocrity is going to mediocrity is going to grow where it's allowed. To right. Grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think that's good. And to give a kind of a sports analogy, um, you know, you think about uh, if you watch the Super Bowl or watch you know NFL sports or anything, you'll hear about the uh, especially come Christmas time, you'll hear about the quarterback buying all his uh, linemen yeah, yeah. a steak dinner or something right, like that. You know, right. buying them cars, yeah. something crazy like that. Yeah. Why does he do that? He does that because. They work hard to keep him safe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so he wants them to know they're appreciated. Sure. And so the same is true for our Sunday school teachers. Our yeah. Sunday school teachers, if they're not working hard, then mm-hmm. you and I are the ones who are going to have to come clean up the mess. Right, that's right. And so we want to make sure that's that right. they, they know how much we appreciate yeah. them, and they are as as equipped as possible. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 episode in itself could be a whole episode. It really and, could. And certainly one that you and I are not experts on. No. Uh, but maybe, maybe those things, uh, maybe those answers will help uh, harden a little bit. Yeah, All which right. is fun. Funny too. He said his favorite episodes were VBS and Sunday School. Yeah, those uh-huh. are not very popular episodes. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, it, I guess uh, I guess uh, Harden is just uh, you know wise and has good taste. Yeah. So. Whatever you think. All right. Well, um, here's the next one. I want to I want to address this one a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> gosh, this is a question from Ryan Reed, <laughs> and the question is, who do you think you are? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the topic that he would like us to discuss in the future is identity theft. Yeah. And he said his favorite episode so far has been the one with the real Ryan. <laughs> uh, furthermore, he said um, uh, that he wanted a social security card. Yeah. So uh, identity theft is not a joke. That's all right? funny. I don't know who this guy is. Sure, uh, Ryan. Who do you think you are is what I want to ask. Sure, um, sure I don't go sure. around impersonating you. <laughs> but uh, here's, here, to be honest... Um, I, I, whoever's impersonating me could probably do a better job than I do it myself. So yeah, that's fine. That's uh, good. Interesting. I thought that was a funny question. <clears throat> All right. Now we have one from a concerned parishioner. Yeah. And here's the question, John. I'm going to direct this question to you. Okay. It said, why did John Martin stop walking across the pulpit when we spent all that money to make it so <laughs> wide that he wouldn't fall off? Yeah. So, uh, Honestly, we, whenever I first got to First Baptist Union, the the pulpit was four feet deep. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like from the from where the choir sits to the edge of the steps were like four feet, maybe five feet, and it was claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Like and yeah. and um, and when I first came to Union, I moved a lot when I preached, 
Mm-hmm. And um, so we went into a renovation process, and uh, we expanded that platform now. Mm-hmm. Now it's probably, I don't know, 10 feet, yeah. 15 mm-hmm. feet, something like that. It's huge. Um, because for a number of reasons, but not because I moved. That's not why it was expanded. It seems to me that they expanded with the expectation that you would pull a Billy Sunday and do <laughs> baseball slides, <laughs> yeah. and jump up on top of the pool pit. Yeah. And here's my question, John. Why well, I'm not aren't finished you doing answering that? my question. Go ahead. So here's what I would say because this is this is a really good que- this is a really good question question, question. about mm-hmm. preaching because I, in my in my previous uh, days I moved a lot when I preached mm-hmm. and as I've as I've gotten older and as my my preaching has developed I think and as I have moved forward in my understanding of preaching uh, my my I don't move mm-hmm. I never move. I know that there are – I mean, occasionally I might step to the side of the pulpit right. to say something or give an illustration or something. But you can watch my sermons online. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I sit at the pulpit, mm-hmm. and uh, I stay there for the most part, or the card table, which everyone happens right, to be up at right. the time. That's, uh, but, but is that kind of like shooting ducks in a barrel or fishing a barrel? I don't know. You don't, you don't move, so everybody knows where you're at. Everybody knows where I'm at. There you go. I, I mean, I just don't think movement I – don't, I don't feel like movement – is necessary, first of all, and secondly, I think that it can become distracting. Yeah. So, I, so I do not move anymore, not because of anything with the <laughs> the pulpit area, but mainly just because of what I think is a maturity in my preaching style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that. I move a lot because I understand that moving can be distracting, especially if it's movement because of nervous energy. Right. Uh, but I also think that movement can add if done well. And I do think if you're, I, I do think there are opportunities of movement that are okay. Like, like if you're, if you're contrasting points, mm-hmm. I think it's good to one side of the pulpit, other side of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. But mostly, my movement, my movement was not for that intention. My movement was just, just, just nervous energy. What yeah. you're talking mm-hmm. about, and I'll tell you this too: I am much more prepared in the pulpit today. Mm-hmm than I was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so my preparation in the pulpit, I really want to share with the people mm-hmm. what I have written down. We've had conversations yeah. about this this mm-hmm. week, yeah. about uh, whether or not we manuscript and that sort of thing. And and uh, and I manuscript my sermons, and I, I want to... I, I want to share with the people what I feel like I've been given mm-hmm. in the week. And so by moving, I tend to leave mm-hmm. those notes. Right, you know? right, yeah. And so... Anyway, that's more than what he asked, but uh, no, well, that's good. Seems like you gave him all he wanted, just like on Sunday morning. <laughs> exactly. All and right. I love his favorite episodes, the one where I laugh a lot. Uh, which one is that? This every one of them. I, I look, people, I laugh. I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I don't know what the that's big funny, deal is because if you know that. John, you know that he's not a happy guy. <laughs> I am too. Uh, that's right. uh, that's good. Well, uh, this next question comes from the greatest wife of all time, mm-hmm. um, and she asked. If you hadn't been called to ministry, what do you think you'd be doing for a living? Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Um, what I what I think I would do for a living? Um, I, I like the idea of, of coaching teaching, Tennessee football. Coaching Tennessee football. If I could just do it for, I don't know, one season, <laughs> right. two seasons, we wouldn't win a lot, but I'd get a buyout. That's exactly right. Um, so, no, I, I, would, I like the idea of, of teaching, um, maybe teaching at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. uh, maybe teaching mm-hmm. literature or history or something like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I don't know. What, what, how old were you when you surrendered to the ministry? Uh, I was 18. Okay. Um, so I um, I really wanted to go to law school, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of was my trajectory. That's where I was headed, and uh, honestly, that's what I would like to be doing. Mm-hmm. It, and 
not what I'd like to be doing. That's what I would be doing if I weren't right, preaching. That's what, yeah. <laughs> out of the, out I would, of the li- mouth, I would like to be doing exactly what I'm doing, yeah. where I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, I, I do enjoy uh, the law, and I love uh, I love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, And that's what I did. That's what I did my bachelor's degree mm-hmm. in was uh, kind of a pre-law kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I do think as well that uh, there are a lot of similarities between the law and yeah, preaching, yeah. especially – Especially the presenting the mm-hmm. case. I yeah. mean, we present a case every Sunday morning yeah. to, the, mm-hmm. to a to a group of people, and uh, and I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, I'm interested in that as well. In fact, I was joking with my wife yesterday, and I was telling her I was getting real into the Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, not necessarily. Uh, you know, a lot of people are real concerned about the Supreme Court, and they can't name any of the nine justices. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. But you know, I'm just I'm real interested in that. I've been yeah. listening to a lot of you know pr- of their briefs and summaries of them and whatnot, and it's just it's interesting to me. I so, uh, you know. I have jury duty Monday. Are you excited about that? Yeah, but except I'm going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana at uh, okay. How are you going to do that? The Gospel Coalition. I tell you what, if you miss jury duty, you know where you'll be. You'll be in the jail. No, no. So I, <laughs> I called the judge, and the judge said I really thought the judge was going to to uh, excuse me, uh, but he didn't. He said <laughs> he said when you get back in town, show up at eight thirty the next morning. So I, so I have jury duty next week after I get back. Nice. From, uh, the Gospel Coalition. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about this uh, next episode. This next question. <laughs> next episode. Next de- next question. Okay. Uh, how can you apply reaping what you sow to child discipline from Alyssa? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, it's it's what we do anyway. We we let our children know there's consequences. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, for good and for bad. And I think often where I fell as a parent, and I know as uh, you know, John has probably struggled with. Any parent has struggled with. Um, when you say something, do mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you tell them, hey, if you if you if you, if you do this again, you're getting a spanking. Right. Well, then they do it again. You don't need to say, all right, listen, I told you, if you do it again, you're yeah. getting a spanking. Yeah. Do it one more time, you will. Yeah. So you sowed, and now you're going. That's to right. Reap. So you you need to build that in because it is it's a fact of life. What we what we put into life, we often get out of it. So we need yeah. to make sure that yeah. we're doing that. Um, I, I heard one. That's not the direction I thought that was going, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it may not be that I don't know. Well, that's good. That's I mean, that's good. Well, another another uh, statement that I heard concerning parenting uh, was when I first uh, when I first became a, a father, uh, and this person said, um, you know, don't uh, if you're not going to do something about it, yeah, then then don't make it a big deal. Yeah. In yeah. other words, you can say all day long, um, son, don't jump on the couch, right? But if you're not going to do something about it, yeah, and, you, yeah, yeah. and, and it's really you know, then then don't tell them otherwise because you're confusing the child. You are, you know. So I, I think that helps as well. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I don't know. I have two kids, fifteen and eleven, and I ain't got fig- I ain't got it figured out yet. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's all I know. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right, we have two more questions left. All right uh, for for today before we I only wrap have up, one, probably, but um, um, this one is uh, interesting. Only those of you who listen to the uh, the uh, front pew podcast yeah. will understand this question, mm-hmm. and uh, you you should listen to the front pew con <laughs> front pew podcast right after you listen to our that's podcast. right yeah there you go uh but it says why don't you do brother tony-esque clips to help engage the listeners and i would say this question offends me first of all yeah because it's bit. assuming that we're not engaging that's our right listeners. it's assuming it's Who? assuming that hey we don't need brother tony we have brother john <laughs> that's right i almost i'm gonna i thought about titling this podcast ask pastor john yeah right that'd be funny but <laughs> uh i mean you know i while I appreciate those guys, 
uh, one day Brother Tony is going to find out. <laughs> what do you think Brother Tony's going to do? Let me tell you what he's going to do. Not a dang thing. He's going to stand in the pulpit and talk about it. Uh, that, is what he's going to do. To me, that is a badge of honor. If you can get yeah. Brother Tony to write, a, have a whole sermon where he's ranting about you, <laughs> man. These could, podcasters. I, I want that for them. For those guys, I don't even know those guys, but that is my desire for yeah. them, is that Brother Tony uh, preaches against them. That will make their day. And, and I just think that would bring more joy to the world. Yes, I, I love the front pew. And that is... They're, 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 all their episodes are wonderful, but I know every part of it's good. But that bro, bro, brother Tony is pretty That's good. good. I think we really need to bring in our friend, our friend Matt. Yeah, he comes from a brother Tony background. He does, and I think I think we should just uh, we should have a whole series where he just gets on and rants like a fundamentalist, and, and he can do it. He could do it, man. <laughs> if we could, if if, if he, uh, man, if he would, he could do it. Yep, yep, yeah. Right. Well, I don't know the last question. One so, more question. Uh, John. All right. The last question is. List three things that might increase church attendance. Okay. I would say that um, one of them is uh, intentional evangelism. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that that's hard right now in our culture, especially in the rural areas, because in order to, in order to be evangelized, you must first know that you are lost. Mm-hmm. Th- this may be a conversation for a whole other topic, yeah. but because uh, evangelism is difficult in the South, especially where we are, because everybody is saved. Uh, but I do think intentional evangelism is one. It's at three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just—that's the first time I've seen this question, so I'm coming off the top of my Come head. Come out to I, this is when John is at his best. Is okay, so intentional evangelism is what I would say. First of all, we need to be active in doing. Uh, I'll say intentional relationships as well. Mm-hmm. What about that? I'm see if I can come up with intentional all all of them. Mm-hmm. So I think all of our relationships that we have at work, at school, at play, mm-hmm. we need to be intentionally seeking after their spiritual condition yeah. in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. So it can be easy, even as pastors, it can be easy to have. You know, you've got your uh, t-ball crew yeah. that you that you associate with you've got maybe your uh your rotary club crew mm-hmm. that you associate with and you, you've got these silos in your life yeah and i think that in order to increase it attend in order to increase increase attendance it's not necessarily going to be a programmatic thing right it's going to be each individual believer in that congregation intentionally forming relationships for the purpose right. of drawing them to Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's more long. That's more, that's more that's uh, a long game. That, that is a long game. So you've got the short game in intentional evangelism and the long game is building relationships for the purpose of drawing them mm-hmm. into the yeah. congregation. Do you have a so, third one? Cause I have a third one. I do. And, that, and this, this third one uh, is especially for the guy that asked that question. The third one is uh, intentionally change your pastor. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I that, think that, that if they help. would just fire their pastor, right. hey, that attendance would go up. But Woo. I'm going to say this too. I'm I'm going to say about about. I hope this is okay. I'm going to say that. Go ahead. No, you got it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh-uh. You already no. Uh uh-uh. uh-uh. That's too close. Go right. go. Uh, this is uh, the reason why John is saying that. This is one of my church members who posted this. Um, I, I would say the last one would probably be attention, intentional membership. Yeah. Okay. I would do um, that. You know, if if your membership means something. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. if you clearly communicate that through uh, the way that your church is organized, the way that uh, your Sunday school exists, the way that your discipleship training exists, whatever that is, yeah. uh, if it means something to be a member, if they yeah. feel like family, yeah. and if yeah. you go out of your way to let them know that, uh, people want to be a part of stuff like that. Well, and see, I was going to say intentional hospitality. That was going to be my third Oh, one. look at you. Because I think, here's the deal. If we evangelize them, and we let's say we invite them to Jesus and the church, mm-hmm. if we build relationships with them outside, mm-hmm. 
and we get them to the church, mm-hmm. the what happens when they get to the church is terribly important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if when they get into the church, if they're not welcomed, if it's not a hospitable situation. If uh, if they're asked to sit in someone else's, sit in another place because that's someone's pew, you know what I mean. That yeah, sort right. of thing, then it's not going to work. So the 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 body of the church has to be prepared mm-hmm. to welcome those right. intentional mm-hmm. relationships and intentional evangelism yeah. uh, results. So that's I good. think that's good. All right. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. We've uh, that's all the time we've got. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed our Ask Away episode. We have thoroughly enjoyed it, and so we probably will do one of these again um, sometime and uh, let you get some more questions in. Yep. Um, well, John, what are you reading? Uh, I've, I'm reading something really interesting right now. Yeah? Did you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an author? It's an author? Uh, I didn't, but huh? that's, that is interesting. It is. And or at least he has a ghostwriter, huh? Well, it actually has another person's name uh, that's beside right. it. Okay. So. I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but uh, one of my friends who's a who's a, a constant reader, he uh, he just finished a book by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and uh, and he gave it to me, and I started reading it. and He said, "Stop reading that one. Let me give you this one first because it's a series, uh, and it's uh, the name of the book that I'm reading right now, which is the first in the series. is called Mycroft Holmes. This is Sherlock's oldest brother in the fictional character." Interesting. It is. So and, you, and so, so he writes fiction. I thought you meant no, like he no, wrote no. an autobiography. No, he writes fiction. Okay, this is I'm all in. Huh? I'm he all does. In. He Go writes on. fiction. So Mycroft Holmes is a guy much like Sherlock in the sense that he's very observant mm-hmm. and he 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 notices things and uh, uh he plays mind games, you know, and yeah. so it's it's uh it's interesting. That I mean, is, and it's written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so right. why not read it? So, yeah, why not, right? <laughs> So that one has been uh, that one has been really good, and I also just finished uh, a Tale of Three Kings by Gene Edwards, mm-hmm. which yeah. was which was good, and it was a really quick read, yeah. real, real mm-hmm. fast. So that's that's what I'm reading right yeah. now. Yeah, I just uh, I just finished reading uh, Warren Wiersbe and David Wiersbe's The Elements of Preaching. No, oh, yeah, it's really yeah. good. It's a little short book. It's uh, styled after The Elements of Style by mm-hmm. E. B. White, which is okay. also a good book. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was just very quick read, but very, yeah. very good. You know, I don't know, 20 something things that preachers ought to do while preaching, and mm, then about mm. 14 that preachers should not do while preaching. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so it's interesting. really good, really yeah. good. Uh, and then I am currently reading Richard II by Shakespeare. So. Okay. See, Shakespeare, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, me and you, man, we on the I, same page. We're on the same page. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you guys being here today. Uh, we will see you next time. Until then, keep loving your imperfect church. And remember, one day she will be perfected in glory.